Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey everybody, welcome to another new episode of Undying Light. I am your host, Pastor Alex, and we are at you once again with another new episode. This time, uh, we are still in Matthew. Nothing new. Nothing new has changed. Nothing new has come about. Uh, We are still working through the Gospel of Matthew. We are not doing any side projects or any side studies or anything like that. We have worked ourselves through a plethora of material in the previous few years on this show. In fact, I was just thinking about it. Um, Coming up here in February, this show will have been on for five years. We started in 2019. uh, So then 2020, 21, 22, 23, 24, five years. That's that's a huge uh, chunk of time. I'm just so thrilled and blessed to have done this show for so long continuously producing episodes and at sometimes producing two episodes a week. And so thank you for your support. Uh, I know we're not quite at that marker yet, but we're getting close. And I think that is huge. So uh, nothing huge on the front. Uh, The book is done. I am in the process of going back through and editing and making changes and corrections and adding some material and some clarifications and things like that. And so that is um, well on its way. I've got just a few chapters left before I'm going to send it over to a publisher for review and potentially published. So if you are interested in buying a copy, feel free to reach out to me. Otherwise, I will have all the information on my social media uh, once it gets completed and, and, and done. But it'll probably still be um, quite a few months before I get a physical copy uh, in my hands. So... But it's on its way. I'm pretty happy for that. And uh, it's been a huge um, process to unload. But I'm already cooking the second book um, in the set. In the, in the Not series, I should say. It's a separate book entirely. But the next book in my theology uh, career. Uh, this one's going to focus on finding peace in the chaotic world around us. And we're going to um, venture deep into eschatology and unpack various aspects of that. So it'll be 
um, kind of a revisit to all of those episodes way back when. And uh, from there, we will um, spend uh, a considerable amount of time working through finding peace and rest in Christ as the world seems to just spin out of control. And so the reason I'm using a basis of eschatology for this finding peace topic is lots of Christians like to hang on to the conspiracy theories. A lot of people like to produce a, this is the day the world's going to end and it creates fear mongering and, um, you know, and, and uncertainty. In fact, uh, today, as I record this, it is Wednesday, the 4th of uh, October, which means uh, the world is ending today. Uh, that's what uh, all the conspiracy theorists want to do about this uh, um, set alert from the national services uh, sometime like at like 1 p.m. Central Time. Like we're all going to be dead, you know. So <laughs> there's always something and people live in perpetual fear of that. And it drives me nuts because I see it all over social media. And so I want to write a book that counteracts all of that and hopes to bring you peace in a chaotic time. So that's the next book. So uh, without further ado, I can sit and talk about that all I want, but I want to not give too much away on it um, just yet. It's going to, that'll be probably a 2025 completion target date. So um, I won't uh, dig into it too deep just yet. I'm going to finish a couple other projects I'm working on and uh, turn my eyes to that. So it may even be a little bit further down the road, but I'm going to spend um, a considerable amount of time. It'll probably be a little bit thicker of a book. It'll be certainly uh, maybe a little bit more um, complex, but I want to do my due diligence to write it again to the people in my pews who have never heard these topics, have never heard about what is going on um, in this realm, and uh, do my due diligence and explain it in such a manner that anybody can pick it up and understand. So, a lot of work to do and a lot of joy out of it. I, I love writing. I don't know why. Um, I never cared for it too much in the past, but really once I became a pastor and started writing sermons on a weekly basis, finishing my master's, writing all the papers to do that, it just became kind of a part of me. And, uh, and I love that. So uh, this week we're going to wrap up chapter 15. So we are cruising right along and Matthew's still a considerable chunk of time left to go, but we will complete our time here. And then as I mentioned either last week or the week before, we're going to move on to the book of Acts next. So here we are at uh, verses 32 through 38, 39, I'm sorry. Uh, we will uh, finish here with Jesus feeding the 4,000. Here's verse 32. Then Jesus called back his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I am unwilling to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. And the disciples said to him, where are we going to get enough bread in such a desolate place to feed so great a crowd? And Jesus said to them, How many loaves do you have? And they said, Seven and a few small fish. And directing the crowd to sit on the ground, he took the seven loaves and the fish, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds, and they all were satisfied. And they took up seven basketfuls of broken pieces left over, those who ate were 4,000 men besides women and children. And after sending away the crowds, he got into the boat and went into the region of Magadan. So, 
Another instance of the feeding, uh, very similar to the 5,000, except we have 4,000, so the crowds be a little bit smaller here. Um, you know, 1,000 less men, but again, we don't account for the women and the children in this text, and that could bring that number back up to closer to 8 to 10 or even 12,000 people um, that Jesus is feeding. That number doesn't necessarily matter because the 4,000 with seven uh, loaves of bread and a few, uh, a few small fish is a considerable miracle in of itself. And so we add women and children, and sometimes there could have even been more women than men there. So, I mean, you're, you know, if you think there's one woman for every man, you've got 8,000 people, and then you add a few children, you could probably get up to nine or 10,000. But if you have more women, you could come out at nine or 10,000 with the men included and then add children on top of that. So it's a considerable crowd and it's a huge miracle and one that we really shouldn't balk at. Like this is something that just is a, a kind of a little notch in the gospel accounts. It doesn't you know, give us too much detail, but it tells us enough that we can truly see Christ um, working here. And I think some of the things, yes, the miracle of being able to feed these people is tremendous, but it's it's the compassion that Jesus has that really shines bright into the God we serve. And I, I've been talking about this as a theme in the church since I've come. What, what and who is this God that we serve? And this is a great staple to that text, that this is a compassionate and merciful God, one that sees the needs of the people and fulfills it. Give us this day our daily bread. And he is doing so here. And, you know, it's been three days. And we don't know, you know, they probably had enough food or provisions for a day, day and a half, maybe even two days. But now they're on the third day and they've been with him. And he doesn't want to send them away because they're in a desolate place. And yet he turns and has compassion on them. So let's dig in to the text a little bit closer here. So we begin with verse 32, which um, comes along here and... Jesus is telling his disciples, I have compassion for this crowd because they have been with me for three days and have nothing to eat. So again, leading up to that, they may have had provisions or small enough things, but now after these three days, they have nothing to eat, nothing to satisfy themselves. Um, so this is a little bit different of a situation from when we were back in chapter 14. Here, Jesus it is Jesus speaking to the disciples about the people's needs and not the disciples coming to him. And so we move on here to verse 33. The, the desolate place being spoken of is uh, a region of uh, Decapolis, which is southeast of the Sea of Galilee. And there's a high plateau with a few towns, so probably very, you know, uh, on the outskirts of things, not easily accessible to get to a town. Um so now we move on to seven. There's a, you know, kind of a com connecting number, if you would, to uh, divinity. You know, seven being the perfect number of God. Um, but again, it could just be random chance, but I don't see it. Nothing in the Bible is random. It, there's always connectivity to something. And so when we consider that aspect, we should also be careful to say that everything has a connection and, and everything has a type and all that. Yes and no, and that's a conversation for a different time. But I just want to make sure that we are clear. You know, whether it's seven, five, two, it doesn't matter about the bread. It just is a nice that they use seven in this instance, and it could very well have been seven. Um, 
again, we just don't really have, you know, a real picture or anything other than taking Matthew's word for it and the other disciples here. So they have these pieces of bread and these little small fish and they uh, are giving them to Jesus. He instructs the crowds to sit and he blesses them and distributes them. The disciples take them and go out and around um, to to do this. And so interesting, as I mentioned when we did the 5,000, the breaking and offering thanks uh, is another uh, symbol for the Eucharist. Uh, the, in verse 36, give thanks. Uh, the Greek verb, I'm probably going to butcher this, is eucresto, in, or in English, Eucharist. Um, it's also how Jesus gives uh, the bread and wine at the Last Supper. He gives thanks. And so there's always these nice little connections here. And, and I would put more emphasis on those than I would the amount of fish and bread. These things are a small type of a greater thing to come. So this meal symbolizes the greater wedding feast, the wedding banquet to come. The giving thanks symbolizes a greater thanks with the institution of the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper, communion, whatever word you want to give it. So paying attention to those things are much more important than, in my view, the amount of bread and amount of fish. While still significant, because the miracle is placed upon those elements, the emphasis should be on other things. So... Moving along here, verse 37, they are satisfied. Jesus never skimps out on satisfying a person's needs, and he always gives in abundance. But pay attention to that. It's the needs of a person, not the wants, the needs of a person. That would be food, clothing, and shelter, and all that stuff. Granted, sometimes we find ourselves in hard places. Sometimes we find ourselves without food or without new clothes, and we have to wear old, raggedy, torn, dirty clothes. Sometimes we find ourselves homeless. Sometimes we find ourselves, you know, impoverished situations. Those are not to take our eyes away from Christ and what he still provides. Yes, we will experience hardships in this life, and we should continue to serve him and continue to work and fight for the things that we need to survive. That being food, shelter, and clothing. If you decide that upon hardship you're going to relinquish your faith and in the hopes of something else to come that's better, then you are no better than the seed that falls upon the rocky soil where you sprout up and then the thorns either come and entangle you or this hot scorching sun burns you up. Anytime a Christian comes across a moment of persecution and they rise up for a moment and then that persecution washes over them, they will leave the faith. That is how we should really be careful with a passage like this. Moving on, 4,000 again uh, through Matthew. Uh, he doesn't state here uh, whether they were fed on this mountain, which includes many Gentiles. There are hints in this text that this may, in fact, be the case. Verse 33, um, that they are in a desolate place. Verse 37, that they all ate and were satisfied. 
and there were even leftover again seven baskets another nice little symbol towards the divinity and divine nature of god but these people as i mentioned could be massive in the crowds right more than four thousand men so that's a kind of a neat little thing um, the location on, is unknown, this Megadon, um, probably somewhere on the western shore of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, very short text, not a lot to it, um, but let's kind of do a summary here. The, the two great feeding miracles that Jesus reminds us of how God is, uh, miraculously feeds his people, with, uh, Israel, with the manna and quail from the wilderness, as indicated in Exodus 16 and Numbers 11. God works through his creation to provide our daily bread. We dare not take this blessing for granted. Luther urges us in his explanation of the fourth petition to receive our daily bread with thanksgiving. For our Lord constantly cares for us. So that's one big thing uh, I, I feel is lacking in the Christian communities is this sense of thanksgiving. Um, and so I think for the better part of the, what's remaining in the show, that's what we are going to put our emphasis on is the needs of our daily bread and how we should be thankful in that understanding of the text here. So I think oftentimes as Christians, we get ourselves tied up in differentiating between our wants and our needs. And it can be very easy because it can sometimes be a little muddy. Like I want a nice steak or I need steak or I need, you know, red meat of sorts, or I need this, you know, when you justify certain aspects of our wants and needs, then it can be very easy to kind of muddy those, you know, all we need is protein, carbohydrates, and fat to survive. And I, we could do away with the sugar. We could do away with those things that are unhealthy, but by and large, you need protein, carbohydrates, and fat in any substance you could be eating tuna and chicken and survive without issues it'll be boring and bland but you can certainly do so for a long period of time you can survive on chicken and turkey and ground beef as long as it's you know the the cheapy ground beef that's the 80 20 years or whatever it is that is not an issue it's when we start to justify, well, I want this, or I want a rack of ribs, or I want pork belly, or I want a brisket. You know, we, and I'm using meat as a, as a beginning point to this because it, we can really start to muddy these waters. We don't need those things. They're nice and they're a, a luxury, but they don't provide for us any better than what a piece of chicken would do. And, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't do those things, but we have to understand what is God going to be giving to us and what is God providing for us in our needs when we pray, Father, give us this day our daily bread. What does that all entail? As always, I like to turn to how Luther interprets this verse, the give us this day our daily bread. And I like to unpack this from his small catechism under the fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer. What does this mean? God certainly gives daily bread to everyone without our prayers, even to all evil people. But we pray in this petition that God would lead us to realize this and to receive our daily bread with thanksgiving. What is meant by daily bread? Daily bread includes everything that has to do with and the support and needs of the body, such as food, drink, clothing, shoes, house, home, land, animals, money, goods, a devout husband or wife, 
devout children, devout workers, devout and faithful rulers, good government, good weather, peace, health, self-control, good reputation, good friends, faithful neighbors, and the like. These are all the things that are placed around you to bring you up as a good Christian. And I say that as they means to be able to go out and help other people, sharing love and compassion and mercy that Christ has shared on you. And so we, we look at the first bits of these, right? Um, food, drink, clothing, shoes, house, home, land. Those are things that people have been given. Granted, you know, that home or land may not be an actual house. It could be a townhouse or an apartment, but it's a place to live. It's a residency that you can call your own. Animals and money. Uh, the animals aspect really is one geared towards this time that he was writing this obviously for farmers and people who do work with cattle or sheep or horses or any of that sort they have that provided money and goods simply just means that you can provide for your family and for yourself with these needs that you will go obviously god is not going to do what he did with israel and rain manna down from heaven he is giving you a job that pays you money to live and go and do these things. And with that money, you can go and do extracurricular things. You can go and have, you know, a little bit more adventure in life instead of just sitting at home and toiling away day after day. So as Luther continues, he talks about devout husband and wife and devout children, devout workers, devout faithful rulers. Let's pause before the rulers. And we'll just quickly examine this. The devout husband and wife isn't always a guarantee. And we don't always see that in scripture. However, when you are yoked together of somebody that is equally yoked, as somebody who's equally on the same pattern and path as you, both Christian, you will find that there is more dedication in that relationship and less divorce rates than you do people of the pagan world and or when you become unequally yoked. Devout children, raise them up in the way of the Lord. Doesn't mean it's always going to happen, but it's a good promise to have, and it's something good to hold to, to, to pour into your children in hopes that they are raised up, knowing and believing the promises that Jesus Christ gives. The faithful rulers in good government, uh, this is, again, another marker that can be either side. If God is bringing judgment against a nation, he will put in wicked rulers. He is providing mercy to a nation or compassion, he'll put in good and faithful rulers. Good weather, peace, health, self-control, good reputation, good friends, faithful neighbors, and the like. It's just some of these things that we can consider to be our daily bread. They're not guarantees. They're not promises that these things will come just because you're a Christian. They are they're just means of being accessible or giving it an allowance of these things for people to have at their grasp. And so, like I said, we have to be careful between the needs and the wants of people. You know, we need fellowship in this world. We need a, a devout husband or wife. We need, a, you know, food and clothing and all the sorts. We, we, we would desire good government and good leaders. We would desire good weather. Doesn't always mean it's a promise. And sometimes bad weather is good. You know, we might think that hurricanes and tornadoes and terrible thunderstorms and snowstorms and all that they're, they're awful and they're just evil things but in some cases they can in fact do good for the area not to say that it's always because obviously the hurricanes and tornadoes are destructive and they 
uh, tend to bring through a lot of wake in their, you know, a lot of destructive uh, in their path. However, we can always look them back and say, God protected these people. And these people now have more faith or their faith is strengthened because of X, Y, and Z event. Those are things that happen. We see that even instanced in scripture where uh, Jesus makes the analogy, I believe it's in the Gospel of Luke, where he asks to his disciples and he says, you know, who, who, was, who was worse off, basically, I'm paraphrasing this because I don't have the quote in front of me, but who's worse off, the people who died when the tower fell or the, uh, the people who died under the ruler's persecution? Both instances were done as a demonstration for other people to have faith. And that is one reason why sometimes bad weather does happen. We don't have all the answers, and I don't surely have any of the answers on the show, but we, we certainly don't have all of the answers that we would hope to have in this life. But we could take what all we have and put that in line of Scripture and see, is this a need or a want? Is this what God is providing for us in our daily bread? And that is how we look at a passage like this. Christ is being merciful and compassionate, and he is providing the food necessary to survive. That is what we get here. This is the kind of the, the snapshot of the that little short few verses here at the end of Matthew 6, 15. Next week, we're going to look at Matthew 16. And uh, depending on our time, it's only a couple verses that open up with the Pharisees and Sadducees demanding signs. Uh, and then we might look at the 11 of the Sadducees and Pharisees. And then we'll spend a whole time talking about Peter uh, confessing Jesus as the Christ. So a couple shows uh, coming up here that will deal with that uh, as we continue our journey through the Gospel of Matthew. So thanks for tuning in, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you enjoyed the episode. If you have any questions, obviously you can always email me at undyinglightministries at gmail.com or hit me up on Instagram and we can chat. Until next week, God bless. Get your butts in church. We'll see you all later. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.